This week on Media Delta, Labyrinth. Let's see if this movie deserves to be thrown into the bog of eternal stench. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. We have a very interesting movie to take a look at. Um, because we are discussing Labyrinth. Now, Labyrinth is a movie that came out in 1986. Uh, the reason why we were taking a look at it is that we briefly played uh, the Japanese only for some reason NES game that was based on it. Uh, but I wanted we kind of wanted to talk about the actual movie that it was based on because it is a fascinating movie. Uh, I will give it that. Uh, so uh, I was not the only one who watched it. Uh, so please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Axe, and I'm here for David Bowie's Popery Packed Bulge. I'm the portable stove, and yeah, that. <laughs> I'm Torpotypus, and I'm here to be reminded of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Voodoo. You do. You do, do what? Remind me of the babe. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was a right. good moment we shared together. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. This is a very, I would say this is a very quotable movie. And by quotable movie, I mean that one part. <laughs> um, no, we don't have oh, there we are. very stand-up part so yes um, Labyrinth is a movie that was as I said in 1986 uh, directed by Jim Henson uh, you know the Muppet guy uh, so this is technically I, I feel saying calling him the Muppet guy is a bit reductive Jim Henson is a puppet genius um, who's actually this work is kind of often paired with a movie that he did prior to this, which if I can figure out some way to do this, I want to do it, uh, which is The Dark Crystal, uh, which is another... This in uh, Labyrinth and Dark Crystal are kind of paired together as kind of experiments for Jim Henson to do kind of, and I'm saying this in air quotes, more mature puppet works, because I wouldn't exactly... Like, this isn't super family unfriendly but it's not it's not something i would give to kids david bowie's bulge also also the wall of hands in a lot of in the fireys in a lot of things this movie is just kind of horrifying in fact i have the exact minute and, se and second that we see the glory that is the bulge and that is see, i appreciate that there is a drinking game for Labyrinth, and that is drink every time you see Bowie's Bulge, and that is a way you can die. There, I found a few <laughs> drinking games. Like another one was anytime someone says that something's a piece of cake, uh, every time <laughs> someone, uh, every time Hoggle growls, every time Sarah complains, uh, every time I'm trying to think of something else. Every time Ludo refers to himself in the third person. The oh, second time that Hoggle appears, I just wrote down Hoggle to Dwarf Boogaloo. Gosh. <laughs> But no, uh, at minute 34, second 25, is the glorious appearance of David Bowie's heavily potpourri-packed bulge. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, let's answer some questions about this movie so that we can kind of do this in our normal format. So, Axe, uh, what was your general impressions, and is there any particular element you'd like to bring up? So, um, I don't know how to, how to like, this is, this is, I liked it. I like this movie a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite, one of my favorites. It's definitely up there. The, the puppeteering is fucking phenomenal. 
And if there's anything to talk about, it's just the fact that Jim Henson, as you said, was a puppeteering genius. Just every single puppet in this in this movie comes off a very lifelike. You could tell it's a puppet, but there's just something lifelike about it. And it never really hits that uncanny valley level of uncomfortable. Um, like Hoggle, for example, as we mentioned, Hoggle is just a, a diminutive puppet that just wanders around. But they've did it so well that, you you know, you, you almost for a moment believe that it was actually, you know, an actual uh, I forget what he was. Like uh, costume or something like that. Not even just like a, a costume person, like it was an actual thing, like it was really there. Um, I want to make note of uh, one bit of trivia. The character, uh, the character of Sarah, is played by one Jennifer Connelly. And if you might remember, one of my favorite properties happens to be Clock Tower. And in the movie that inspired the gay Clock Tower, the main character is played by Jennifer Connelly. And that came out before Labyrinth. Yes, uh, phenomena. Uh, that phenomena. is something that I noticed that when I was watching this too. I'm like. God, I can't see anything with Jennifer Conley in it without thinking of Clock Tower now. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the puppeteering's great. The sets are fantastic. I mean, there's just so so many different... There are missteps in terms of pacing, writing, and plot. And Jareth is very much a creeper. But just my Jared, overall... Jared. What? What? Oh. What? PT. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's PT. You make the baby giggle by saying Jareth repeatedly. God damn it! That's what that is. Yes. For the longest time, like, what the fuck is Jareth? And what is? Oh my god. <laughs> ah, but anyway, um, yeah. So I liked it. I thought a lot of things were great about it. There are a couple things that I I think they could have done without. There are some scenes that dra either drag on too long or just straight up don't belong. And as much as people like dance magic dance. I didn't like any of the music numbers. They come out of nowhere. They serve very little purpose. And also the Bog song sucks. And that, that's, that's kind of where I'll leave. Okay. Uh, any right. particular scene? Oh, a oh, uh, particular scene. Or uh, element. Or, or is that what you said? I'll stick with the puppeteering is just so good. It stands out amongst everything else. in the Okay. Uh, Stove. So this is my first time seeing this movie. I had heard a lot about it kind of over the years. But I didn't know a single thing about it except that Jim Henson was the uh, was the puppeteer behind it. And this was also at a time as well that I didn't really know much about David Bowie. I mean, I know of him now, of course. But, um, in, ter in terms of like watching it for the first time in 2020 as a uh, adult, I thought it was fine. Like I didn't, I I would hesitate to say it is a movie that I would be scrambling to watch again or watch with a bunch of kids or anything like that. Because um, kind of as you said at the beginning, um, I would hesitate to call this a kid's movie to begin with. Um, there, I will say one thing. The element that I want to call out is that um, I kind of do like the world itself, like the world of what, whatever it is, because I don't even remember. I didn't take notes. It's the world <laughs> um, of goblins? The world I, of goblins. Yep. Um. I like I liked the uh, setting for sure. Um, it was very creepy. I particularly looked at the cluster of eyes that were on the wall. That sucked. I hated it so much <laughs> because it creeped me the fuck out. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed Bowie for like he has immense charm, like infinite charm in this movie. It is a very very charming movie in that respect. Oh, I do not like the acting in this movie one bit. Unfortunately, like. 
it's extremely bad. Like at the very beginning, when Sarah is just complaining the entire time to her parents that a baby is taking all of the attention. Also, I have no idea what fucking age she's supposed to be. She looks she, like she's in her twenties. She, she's supposed to be sixteen, I believe. Sixteen, and she's jealous of a like five month year old. Alrighty, I Bert, maybe Bert doesn't. Like, Bert agrees she, with you. Apparently, she might be seventeen. Like I think they mentioned something about her last year of high school. Like I know she is at high school age. Yeah, I I don't know, but yeah, I didn't particularly like the acting that much. I just kind of liked how um, I just kind of liked the. Like, how much David Bowie just kind of put into his role, like, just kind of throwing himself in there, that doesn't necessarily mean that I like the way that anything was really uh, acted out. Um, and yeah, I do agree with Axe. A lot of the, none of the music really resonated with me. Not even uh, Magic Dance or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's, close enough. It's, it's Magic Dance. That's the name of the song. Magic Dance, okay. Close enough to actually getting it. Um, I, I did laugh at the credits music, though, just because... One of those, like, screaming, singing songs that I just fucking adore. And hell if I can remember what it was, because I watched it yesterday, and I pushed a lot of it out, unfortunately. Enough that I can still do this podcast, but... It's all that voodoo that you do. Yep. That's all I got. It, it, it's, it's weird when you're in the middle of it. It's kind of hard to get... It's either at the beginning or not to remember the that whole thing. Uh, yeah. Torpo. Uh, Think he might have I was that. muted because I took a yep. phone call. Um, <laughs> but I then immediately blocked. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> it was a fine movie. It, it, it's, it's a perfectly okay movie. Uh, it's a movie that's all about the puppetry, the, the actual acting. <sighs> the main character is just a whiny teen, and that's fucking whatever. David Bowie's David Bowieing it up. It, but otherwise, it's it's about the puppets, and the puppetry is absolutely fucking fantastic. It's fucking Jim Henson's workshop. How bad could it be? Uh, but the, 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 there's no real plot there. It's all loosely strung together pieces uh, of, hey, we want to make puppets for this, or, hey, we had these puppets lying around. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel coherent, but it doesn't really need to, is, is honestly. Yeah. Um, I can definitely kind of feel that. Um, my general thoughts on it were... Oh, it yeah, was... I didn't get to... Oh, yeah, you're seen. I want to talk about a scene. We're gonna What's talk about the time that David Bowie tried to seduce a teenage girl. Yeah. Um. So that happened. Uh, at one point, David Bowie turns the glass ball into a peat. Oh, uh, that's apparently absolutely disgusting and has a worm in it. Uh, has the main character eat it, and she gets really high. And imagine she's at a ball where David Bowie seductively sings to her, creeping on her from around the ballroom as she runs around. <laughs> and it's the most out of place fucking thing in that whole movie where nothing makes sense. And then they dance this very uncomfortable close dance when you're just kind of like Bowie, no. No, don't 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 Ted Nugent this. Come on. I mean, yeah, remember that Jareth is supposed to be like hundreds of years old. He's the Goblin King. Uh, yeah. I believe at the time that David Bowie was 39. I mean, I'm not talking about David Bowie. That's still gross. I, I, but I, mean, I, I, I just wanted to point that out. So yes, it's a 39-year-old yes. David Bowie person looking yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's such a weird out of place scene that never really needed to be there, especially because it's not it's not showing off puppets. There are no puppets in that scene. Yeah, it's that's, just that's, a bunch of random assholes in masks. That's one of the scenes that I really felt could have been cut out entirely, and you wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is something that I kind of read into that I feel kind of explains some of that. 
Uh, so in the very beginning of the movie, like right after Sarah basically has a tantrum and throws up, goes to her room, um, you get this, or I can't remember if it was that or if it was in the credit sequence, but you get a panning shot of her room and you see a bunch of things going on in a line. For example, you see her teddy bear, her stuffed animal collection. You then see copies of Where the Wild Things Are in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, then you, in a few other books, I can't remember exactly what it is. And then you get a shot of her mirror, which actually has apparently has some David Bowie uh, like stuff on it. So it's kind of, they're supposed to, I feel like there's supposed to be a plot element that is not quite fully developed. That's actually, this is supposed to be kind of her, like a dream that she is having, um, which why makes sense then why you would have this why David Bowie's in the movie to begin with, and two, why um, it's all about this play that she is focusing on, and why, like, that, get, um, uh, Ambr- is it Ambrosius who's the dog? Yeah, Ambrosius is the dog. That, uh, that Sir Ambrosius looks like Merlin. And, like, there's a bunch of things in the actual dream world that reminds her of, like, her actual life. Um, which in the things that are like perfective, like her, like whole dancing with David Bowie is basically him, her just having kind of a crush on David Bowie. But regardless, that's still, it's still a little weird, but it was a interpretation that I thought that was kind of interesting. Also uh, the sweep was at the start of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do like that blatant placement of where the wild things are. Because that it's very yeah. rarely that you see, hey, this is what inspired this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, was that basically what your thoughts on that scene were? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that this, I, I don't dislike this movie, but it is a movie that, for me, it is a movie that I will watch, let's say, once a decade. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, Right, this movie existed. I'll watch it like, huh, huh, and then I'll put it back on the shelf. Uh, it's not that it's like I said, it's not that I dislike this movie. It's just there's a lot to take in with this movie, and it's not something that it's it's not to, for me rewatchable because it is like unless you're like really really into like the tech like the technique of like working with Muppets, um, then you might want to watch this, but. Other than that, it's like, oh, hey, it's it's this, and that's fine. Uh, now, in hindsight, when I what this actually the flow of this reminds me of is, have you ever seen like the seventies era Muppet Show? Oh yeah, uh, yes. There is a like episodes of that show. They would have a celebrity guest, uh, but then there would be a very loose plot as, with a bunch of kind of more disjointed like skits and all that that's kind of what this movie reminds me of is that it's a series of disjointed sketches that have a very loose tie to them. That's also Monty Python and the Holy Grail did a similar. Yeah. Yeah. Actually kind of like that where it was, yeah, technically these have a string together, but really they're kind of their own thing. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of my general thing. And the one element that I do want to bring up because the thing that I, (laughs) Actually, the first time I watched this movie, I just straight up skipped this. Like, I skipped like 20 minutes after that. So I think I ended up skipping the uh, dream sequence as well. Uh, the Bog of Eternal Stench can go away. That, yeah, weird I, that you of all people wouldn't enjoy it. 
Yeah, that I, I, that just no. I did not like that part at all. Smells bad! Also, so the idea of a bog of eternal stench is hilarious to me, because bogs are fucking disgusting and smell like shit to begin with. Yeah, just imagine, like, you, know, you, you accidentally fall in, and now you smell for the rest of your life. Haha, fucko. But, yeah, there's no such thing as a bog or swamp that doesn't, that isn't of eternal stench. They're all awful. They're stanky. But no, like, that whole section was just prolonged, gross. prolonged, gross, and the musical number that accompanies it was the worst song in the end. Not, second worst song. I'd say that the prolonged worst song. gross art jokes. Yeah. Yep. The worst song comes at the end when, like, she's running in the non-Euclidean room. Oh, you didn't like within you? God! I mean, the song's fine. It just felt really out of place. It just felt like yeah. That entire fucking scene is David Bowie styling on the main character, but there, there is a reason why I listen to the soundtrack of this movie more than actually watch it. What's up, Stove? So uh, while I was watching it, I there was a little glitch when they were when uh, the small dog guy. I don't remember his name because Didymus. Yes, that Didymus. Um, Didymus was explaining, you know, I can't let you pass because, you know, you didn't ask me permission or whatever. It froze on a picture, it froze on him, and then you could just hear, smells bad, like, in the background without panning over to show anybody else. <laughs> that fucking killed me, and it wasn't even part of the movie. And also, doesn't <laughs> Hoggle walks past him without his permission? Yeah, he just runs past. What so, like... And they don't touch on that. They don't mention that as cut. Like, I expected that to be the the thing that undoes him. It's like, she's like, well, Hoggle just went across. And he's like, oh, well, I failed. I guess I should join you then. But no, he just kind of leans back into it. Yeah. That that part didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so speaking of the characters, why don't we go elaborate on them more? So, Torpo, how do you feel about the setting of this movie slash the characters? Uh, as I said before, it all just feels like an excuse to show off these sweet-ass puppets. Uh, the, the setting is kind of barely there. I, I did like the idea of look for shit where it isn't, because there you'll find it, but also that very quickly went away. Yeah. Uh, I also did like the one part of the labyrinth actively fucking with the main character every time she tried to draw down a mark, because it was funny. Yeah. But, uh... Overall, overall, it just feels like loosely strung together stuff for the sake of showing off these sweet fucking puppets. Man, I, I know it's somewhat of an off tangent, but and I hate the fact that this is the game that I had a thought about this of. Could you imagine, like, if a Souls game did a thing uh, where if you put down a message at some point, that if you were in a particular level, it would warp around where those messages would go? <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would but, be yeah. horrible. Um, but, uh, no, it's 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 just kind of there. The characters are the main character, whiny teen, never really progresses beyond that, even in her big moment of glory. She still just kind of feels there. She exists to move the plot along. David Bowie's fun, but also just kind of exists to move the plot along. But at least he looks cooler. Yes. Uh, and just in general, it's it's about the puppets. It was always about the puppets and David Bowie. But it's about the puppets. Also, the soundtrack's really good, unsurprisingly. Uh, so. Yeah, so kind of, uh, as I said before, the setting. I, I really like the setting. It's 
there's just something about it that just kind of screams this is a 80s uh this is an 80s family movie with a bunch of like dark things it kind of reminds me of uh the never-ending story in a bit a bit yeah i know <laughs> i know um yep. it reminds me of the never-ending story in that it's just kind of you know high fantasy in a sense um the characters like you like was said before sarah's just kind of a whiny brat and uh, Jareth is there but like he's just there to move the plot along and be cool and show off his package um and yeah none of the puppets really stood out to me honestly except uh hoggle just a piece of shit um it's like oh i'm not your friend oh friendship is good i guess i don't know um fuck the guards in the bog they suck ass um and yeah i i don't know i i didn't really care for the characters i like the setting a little bit it's actually funny you mentioned the never-ending story because i keep on every time i see the bog and i'm like oh wait is this the part where ludo just sinks in the bog forever (laughs) um but no that is a different thing um unless you were um were you done i'm good yeah okay I mean, setting. Uh, I can uh, 100% agree with both uh, Torpid and Stove. Uh, the setting's pretty. I like the setting a lot. Um, I thought there was a. I thought it was a lot more connected than everybody seems to be kind of saying. I guess I'm kind of the lone lone voice on this. I thought everything had a had a fair connection. Whether or not it worked super well uh, is debatable. Like we found sections that are definitely we could have done without. The bog, the bog was funny as sort of an aside joke, and then they take us there and completely ruin the joke, and that kind of sucked because having the bog sort of as this this thing that even in the world of imagination is still a terrible uh, thing to imagine, and then having it realized it just kind of takes away, and then it's just one long fart joke, and it's just kind of like okay. Um, constant gross fart noises. It was yeah. the worst. Just toots, toots all over. Um, I do want to point out uh, my other bit of trivia. This is something I learned. Oh, I forget when, but um, the the origins of Bowie's bulge because Bowie's bulge is a character unto itself and deserves <laughs> to be spoken about. <laughs> so, as, as it turns out, uh, Bowie stuffed himself as a joke, and they thought it was funny enough. So they left it in, but it doesn't end there because Bowie sweats a lot. So to uh, to offset the fact that he sweats a lot, they also stuff him with potpourri. Now, a lot of the puppeteers had to be at ground level. <laughs> We're very much bulge level with David Bowie. So a number of them had to put up with his sweaty potpourri stench. And I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> but thank it's <laughs> so so happy but um in terms of characters jareth bored me like it just was it felt like it was david bowie but super creepy um i like jennifer connelly i'm a big baby about that i love phenomena uh you know and what seeing her brings back a lot of memories of seeing phenomena for the first time watching you know playing clock tower so there's it's a lot of different things that are unrelated to the movie in, in in terms of her, but there's just that that connection towards just seeing her on screen. In this movie, I think she chews the scenery up uh, in good and bad ways. Uh, the beginning part where she's throwing the tantrum, she really does make it seem like she's a bratty little teenager. She does a good job of it. 
even though she's very annoying. But then, like, you get to the scenes where she's in the labyrinth for the first time, and she's so overwhelmed, and she's just throwing herself with absolute drama against the walls. And I loved it. It's so unnecessarily dramatic, but it's, 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 it's like, I, I liken it to a Peter Stormare scene. You don't need to be doing it this way, but I guess this is the way you're going to do it. Um, Hoggle, uh, Hoggle's kind of mixed because it's like, okay, he, he wants friendship, but he doesn't understand friendship because of the Goblin King, but they keep flip-flopping him too much, and I felt that it hurt the character a lot. Uh, it does suck Sarah doesn't really learn any lessons, uh, it seemed. She just sort of stays the same character throughout, almost immediately realizing, oh, hey, I screwed up by wishing that my little brother would go away. Uh, the kid just is there to cry and be a, a baby and get, you know, conspicuously thrown around during a song. Um, Gotta be real, real quick. Also, the big lesson she learns at the end isn't some sort of, like, big moral lesson. It's that Jareth has no power over her. Yeah. Yeah. That's how she beat Jareth, is by, oh, you can't actually defect you, me. You actually remembered your line from your play. Yeah. Like, uh, it's... There's, there's, I like some of the characters, but it's, it's a lot of mixed baggagery for me. That's not a word, but it is now. That baggagery, baggagery. The problem was that there was, there was another piece of trivia that, that did bring it to mind, but I just forgot what it was. Um, right. Actually, now I remember. You mentioned the baby. Uh, so forgot what his name was. Uh, but there's a fun little bit of trivia about the baby that actually, like the actor for the baby. Um. You know, works in that new Dark Crystal movie as an animation <laughs> guy, which I thought was that was incredible. I don't know if that was like it was like, oh, huh, the guy who played the baby in Labyrinth is now an animation guy. Uh, so let's put him in the Dark Crystal just as a funny nod, or if that's literally like if that was just a happenstance, because if it was, that is phenomenal to be honest. Yeah. Like a number of the characters are really interesting. I do like the the dog knight, um, but then the, like the big ogre dude, just kind of is there to shout a single Ludo. line. Sure, uh, I forgot his. Is it Ludo? It is. It is Ludo. It's Ludo. It is, I just it remember Ludo. it because everyone made Ludo narrative dissonance jokes just immediately because everyone is incredibly <laughs> unfunny. <laughs> but like his character really was boring. Okay, he could control rocks. That's cool. It's cool. Uh, we'll only use it a couple of times, and. You know, one of them is wasted on that shitty bog. Yeah. Also, he always refers to himself in the third person and speaks in broken English. Yeah. Smells bad! He looks so, like a giant version of that one character from the Looney Tunes. I forgot what his name was. Taz? Gossamer? Gossamer, you... yes. The big the red, big red. Oh, big bird. red dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gossamer. There's, there's just, if, we, if they had gotten rid of, like, the bog scene and done a little bit more with Ludo... Uh, I think it would have been a lot better. And also get rid of all the musical numbers. I know you've got Bowie. I know you have to justify the price tag for Bowie, but we could have done without the music. I mean, you can do a Bowie movie without music. We might take a look in June at a movie that does that very well. Oh, it's real good. It's also a very different kind of movie than this. But did, did I look? Miss... I like struggling with the gay thoughts, Lolo. Did I miss the Zoolander video game? What are we talking about? No, now? we are talking about a movie <laughs> called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is uh, not. It's about struggling with the gay thoughts in a Japanese work uh, POW camp in World War II. Oh, yeah, God. but it's yes. very good. 
Like, unironically, it's very good. We will discuss that again in June. Right. But yeah, but yeah so, that, that's that's pretty much. I, I'm kind of getting a little long in the tooth there. So that that's that's just my thoughts on the characters. Yeah, um, yeah. I I like the labyrinth. I think it is. A, there's a lot of neat ideas for scenery. As I mentioned, I hate the bog of eternal stench. Other than that, it's fine. Um, character wise, uh, Sarah is just like I find her. I found her to be kind of annoying. But then again, that is kind of what her character is supposed to kind of be. Like she is just a high school student that's trying to deal with her inner thoughts. Uh, Hoggle to me always thought like, I don't know what stereotype it was supposed to be against, but he seems like he is meant to be a stereotype of something. I just don't know what, like there's something just unfortunate feeling about his design to me. Um, but yeah, I just Hoggle sucked. I did not like Hoggle at all. Uh, Ludo was fine. Like, I, I like Ludo. He's just, I like the big furry kind of uh, friendly characters. I always like it when the big guy's all friendly. Uh, and Sir Didymus and um, Ambrosius are also very good. Uh, Jareth is David Bowie. And I think, I don't, like, that's that's the other thing where I feel like going into that, that interpretation that's supposed to be all in, in Sarah's mind, that, like, who is meant to play the Goblin King for this play that she's doing. Uh, that she kind of has, has some somewhat romantic things by her crush, David Bowie. Um, I And that's like the only reason why I feel that Jareth would play the Goblin King when everything is else is a, just like a normal goblin while Jareth is David, David Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> David yeah. fucking Bowie. So um, everybody else is warty and gross and here's just... Um, and just like the other, like incidental characters are all fine. The Fireys are horrifying. Um, which were the guys who would throw their body parts around. Uh, also, I do want to point out uh, that wall of that uh, thing of hands was also incredibly creepy. But also, uh, it's like, oh, that's actually kind of cool that you're doing that. This is horrifying. It's going to be in my nightmares. Uh, I, I'd say the body part throwing guys was a lot goofier just because it was very obvious green screen the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It looked terrible. Uh, watching this <laughs> in higher definition does not help. Yeah, we've mentioned on a, a couple of other media deltas when there's some excessive green screen use, and this movie is egregious throughout the entire bog section with the green screen. Yeah, like you could even see like the brightness of like the people are like it's not naturally lit. Yeah, like like in the fiery scenes, uh, Jennifer Connelly just glows, like she's just straight up glows. And there's to just this. Else. There's this weird black border around everybody that you get when your green screen is kind of not super good. And just and it's just a, it's a crying shame when the rest of the film has all this great like animation and puppetry and all these the practical effects are fucking great. The hand section, that was so cool the way they did, had the hands all move in different ways to simulate faces and talking. Yeah, the constant shifting of the hands to make different faces as it went down. The hands themselves never even using the same positions twice to make faces. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so clever and so well done. Yeah. yeah. I, one thing I, I do want to point out because before I forget, um, because I just looked it up because I was curious. Um, the budget for this movie was $25 million. Um, it's cumulative worldwide gross uh, was $13 million. Wow. So it, it did not make its budget, which is a shame, but 
still because i was thinking i'm like maybe this didn't have the budget that you think it did no it, it had a pretty high budget but yeah let me tell you what probably would have sold it so there is that one scene again in the bog where uh fucking what's his name the shitty puppet <laughs> the one that's uh hoggle hoggle yeah it's like oh i don't know if i should what should i should do with the peach and i thought he was gonna throw it away i really hoped that uh jareth was just going reason i really wish they would have done that and i think that if if that would have happened it would have been the best movie of all time they should have included that one thing in the trailer that's it there you go go see the movie um, also the thing i find funny about hoggle is since i have imdb imdb up uh the voice actor for hoggle was brian uh henson aka george or jim henson's son so i he had his son play the shittiest character in the movie <laughs> well, it's not unlike um, the Raimi brothers, where Sam Raimi would have his brother play uh, stupid characters like Evil Dead 2. He was Henrietta. Yeah, but it just feels weirder with your son, who is also apparently very much like he is also a producer now. Guess uh, what movie he produced? Uh, was it Dark Crystal? From Space? The Happy Time Murders. Yup. Great. Oh, yeah. Uh, we can think, hold that thought up for a different question that I have on this list. Sure, sounds good. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was our, just my general thoughts on the settings. So we, we brought up this almost, I don't think we use this, this phrasing, um, but Axe, did this, like we mentioned, how do you feel this movie, like when, does watching this kind of give you more of a tech demo vibe for it or just a, hey, this is a production flex? I mean. I thought that just having Bowie on set was a flex unto itself. I didn't think, like, the puppetry... That's the thing about Jim Henson. I don't think anything he's ever done, at least from my recollection, was ever felt like a flex. It always felt like it was something that he really wanted to do and he was having fun doing. Like, he never came across as the kind of person who would brag through his work. He knew he was really good, but he shared that that with everybody around him at least in and i know i'm i'm totally going to bat for a dude who's long since passed rest in peace jim um a guy that i never knew so much so that i called him by his first name just now um but <laughs> we're on a first name basis he and i but Their social relationships are great. all the time <laughs> i can only call him mr henson i don't know him that well <laughs> my good buddy jim and i right here it just hey, feels check out this picture of me and jim right here there it is feels in the weird. background. You can see him. Yep. It's weird calling somebody you don't know by their first name because it's it's so formal. <laughs> I, but Jimmy boy. I think it's also the fact that Casual, he's Jim Henson, not yeah. like James Henson. Not Jim also... Henson. Jimothy Henson. Thank Jimothy you. Henson. Yeah. But yeah, no, like you could tell. I, I think at least from a lot of the stuff he's done, his stuff was never really trying to show off or be braggardly about it. He was always coming across as just very sincere very genuine in his work and that shines i think in this film I, I i never once got the feeling that he was trying to like flex on anybody um it's just it's it the, the situations are loosely connected but i don't i don't think it was tech demo all right um stop yeah i mean i i agree with that there isn't really much honestly to put in there it it seems like a good precedent for like um like puppeting movies but also he'd been doing this since the like 70s or early 80s like with the 
with the first Muppet movie and all the ones that followed that. In terms of like the fucking coffee, (laughs) in terms of like the uh, you know blending the setting and all the green screen stuff and the puppeteering with that, I yeah I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a flex or a tech demo or anything like that. It's just more Jim Henson being Jim Henson and making something that looks really good because he is a as you said before puppeting genius that's kind of where i am on that all right uh torpo um so yeah there's no, nothing tech demo about it i i could argue it's a production flex just because look at this fu- puppetry everything he does is fucking great but that's more just jim being jim jimmy boy <laughs> jimothy <laughs> But yeah, no, no, it's just, he, his work's always been really good, and I this doesn't feel like an exception to that rule. All right. It feels like Jim wanted to do some fantasy shit, here's some fantasy shit, but also Jim Henson puppetry. Yeah. Um, so before I give my answer, I do want to, I did look something up, uh, because it, it was just mentioned here, because I wanted to, I was looking up something for, kind of talk about the end. Um, but we were talking about Jennifer Conley, how we weren't sure how old she was. Um, during, at the time that this movie came out, uh, Jennifer Conley was 16. So Sorry. like during the initial production, like when it started, she was 14. So oh, yeah, she is really young in this, which makes the whole behaving like a child kind of acceptable as go figure. It is an actual child that is doing this, but it also, oh. it also makes the dancing scene. A thousand times more unacceptable. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I more just put that there because I do feel like it just feels like anything that like you watch any sort of Muppets big production that a lot of it seems to be um, like they do good work. Like here's a reason why Jim Henson is known as like a master, like a puppet, like I keep on master. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I was trying to think of a different <laughs> way to phrase it. Puppet, <laughs> puppet wizard actually sounds better for Jim Henson. But remember, you know, it's, they're not puppets; they're muppets. They're not yes. quite a mop. They're not quite a puppet. Uh, they, <laughs> I mean, technically, we shouldn't be using the term puppet when you're doing muppets because there is a different bit of. Um, ah, yes, they're felt they're, golems. You're right. Well, there is. So it's. Why is a marionette puppet? I think because there is a the there is a technical reason why you shouldn't refer to them as puppets, but because nonetheless, puppet masters will send blade after you and kill you. Uh, there, yeah, it's something about like somehow Muppets also have a bit of marionette work with them combined with normal puppetry. But anyway, yeah. Um, so uh, this was kind of brought up. Our next question, um, but it's just something I wanted to talk about because. The ending kind of really comes out of kind of nowhere. Um, and Torfo, was Sarah supposed to learn anything? Like, because uh, the ending is just like, she has this thing. It's like, oh, like she realizes like, oh, maybe there are certain times when I can leave my my like childish things behind and work on other things. Um, but then at the end, it's just dance party with all of her puppet friends. Muppet yeah, friends. so that's the weird thing too. It's just all of a sudden it's like you can call on us whenever. And then you learn it wasn't a dream or some shit. Like, it, no, they were there the entire time or she's gone insane. It, it's great. It's great because it's like, so the moment that like she defeats Jareth, it's back to her room. 
she sees that Toby is still around. Her parents come home and she's like, has the look. It's like, no, uh, Toby, you can have my stuffed animal. I look like I'm starting to like, I, I did the, oh, I learned something today kind of thing that movies do. And then it's like, then she looks at the mirror and then she gets reflections of all of her things. It's like, so it's like, oh yeah, uh, I can think of my, like, I can think of this when it is time to like be creative or something like that. Like maybe, maybe I can give use me this. strength when I think yeah. back on them. Yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden you turn back and oh, that party. Everyone has the music come up. Here's the poppers that came out of nowhere. Here's her parents going to come up and have a fit. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she was supposed that. to learn a lesson supposedly and like learn to not be bratty, but she never really learns that. And all that really happens is she remembers the line from or the book, whatever. Playbook from her nerd shit. She was fucking LARPing in the park. Well, I think she was supposed to be like, like in drama or something. LARPing like in the park. Look, what a, what else is fuck was a play than LARPing with an audience? I can't believe you'd say shit like that. I can't. I can't believe. It. But you're, you're not, not denying it. I'm why not would... denying it. I just can't believe you'd say it out loud. Why would you be so controversial I... and brave, Torpo? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Is that? That's I, it. Yep. All I can understand is that Sarah learned, "Hey, maybe I shouldn't wish my baby sibling away." Because yeah, the, the ending does come out of nowhere. It's just like Labyrinth Master Sarah calls everyone in for a huge party, and then it ends. Like, what the fuck is that about? Uh, but yeah, I don't know what she was supposed to learn. I guess she was supposed to learn, um, yeah, something about her childhood or something. But instead, it's just more. Hey, maybe don't ask goblins to kidnap your baby sibling. Just don't do it. It's a bad idea. But I want to meet Bowie. Do you, though? Because then, then he's going to give you a, a peach, and then you're going to dance a creepy dance with him. And then he's going it's to fine. Eat, I'm an adult. He's going to eat the baby, probably. I don't know what the fucking Goblin King was going to do. I, I well, they were, the, I, he said that they were going to turn it into a goblin. Was, yeah, they were going to turn it into a goblin basically. It's not to say that they couldn't do that through just eating the baby. Who knows? I don't know anything about yum, goblins. Yum, yum, I, don't think, yum. I don't think goblins work on zombie rule. No, the, the whole point How was turning the baby goblin? into a goblin after the time limit was up. Don't yeah. they do... Wait. I was going to say, don't they, don't they work like that in Goblin 2? But also, the time limit matters so little that you kind of just forget about it. Don't you mean <laughs> Troll 2? Yes. Time Troll! Troll, troll too, which we, it was all goblins. I, but no, I, no, they, they they turn you into vegetables and then they eat you. Right, I knew it was something stupid like that. It's it's fair. It, uh, I wish there was a troll two game. Hey, while we're on the while we're on the topic of the ending, what the fuck is thirteen o'clock? Like, did I? I guess I wasn't paying attention they, that much. But what the it, fuck? It was, thirteen hours. It was thirteen hours was the time limit. Yeah, oh, so okay. one a.m. But then he went like midnight. Fuck it. The time limit doesn't matter. I'm speeding it up anyway. Fuck face. Enjoy. Well, that was, so, so uh, wait, so are, are you, is that yours then? Yeah, that's mine. Fuck 13 o'clock. Go ahead. Okay, so when Bowie does that, he does that in response to her basically constantly saying, this isn't fair or this is easy. Um, and I think, so she immediately <laughs> learns the lesson that, hey, maybe I shouldn't say make shitty wishes because they might come true. Um, she learns that right away. And then the rest of the movie is more about her having to come to face to face with her own brattiness and realizing that the world isn't fair. 
And she's going to have to be a lot stronger than she has been and learn how to face these issues a lot better than she normally does. Like, she couldn't throw a tantrum uh, every single time and, you know, have things work out. And that's one of the lessons she was taught when Jareth changes the time. And she's like, well, that's not fair. He's like, yeah, no, welcome to the adult world. And then she pulls the same thing with Hoggle when she steals his jewelry. And he goes, that's not fair. And she gets the realization, oh, shit, yeah, the adult world kind of sucks. Just welcome to the real world, jackass. Yeah. Um, so I think she learns a number of lessons, primarily mostly about growing up. Uh, but I, I don't agree with the consensus that the, uh, the dance scene at the end with all of her friends is an indication that she's, uh, hasn't learned anything. I think if, if anything, it represents how it's okay to hold on to some childish things and still retain some degree of child, childlike innocence in the face of all of this crappiness that is the adult world you know she's giving up her doll her doll for her her baby brother so she is growing up in a way but there's still all these friends that she made along the way that remind her of her creativity of her innocence and just the little things that keep us grounded in our own lives uh as adults that in the face of a lot of injustice and a lot of unfairness and that's just what i got from it and what i felt her, she learned as lessons yeah, and I, and I agree that's definitely what I feel like that they were trying to, like, I feel like that, like, the initial time you see, like, Didymus and Hoggle in the mirror, like, that's what they were going for. It's just kind of funny to me uh, that it, la- like, it went from, oh, I'm having this relaxation, like, realization to five seconds later. Like it went all dance part because usually like these kind of movies that kind of do that. It's like, oh, I have the thing. I go to sleep. I go the next day. I see it in the mirror and then it's a different day or something. This was a pa- parents come home, not even have time to come up the stairs yet. And then it's already dance party. I just thought that sudden yeah. juxtaposition. Yeah, I, I get, I get. Yeah. Yeah, the point is, yeah, it wasn't that it was like, ah, Muppet friend. No, it's that she was having like this moment of, Ah, you you guys have taught me so much, and then oh my god, everyone's on the bed and we're fucking partying just out of and nowhere. What I will say though is I don't understand why some of the antagonistic characters are there because they didn't teach her anything, they didn't help her or anything. They were just there to make her life miserable, like the uh, the birds and the regular tr- uh, goblins. You know that that's the one thing that I I had an issue with. I, but yeah. the, the thing that I could potentially see that if, if this was supposed to be your dream, like the thing that I think of it as is like, if you think about the kind of act, like if you think about it in the same way that playing with action figures, you don't just have the heroes, you also have the villains. So if you're sure. thinking about the Muppets all as her kind of like, I don't like star systems to of a specific kind of thing, but her universe of characters you have the villains and the bag like and the heroes at the same time because they're both necessary for that kind of role play thing yeah at least that's how i saw it anyhow yeah that's just my thoughts um so this is our last thing is kind of talking about something that i I don't know if i I would call this an adult muppet but basically i kind of said that in, in a way to distinguish this from a say the normal Muppets things, which are normally very children friendly. Um, so ask, what are your thoughts on a more adult or at least older generation, older person Muppets property? Well, 
I guess. It's obvious this movie wasn't entirely marketed towards kids. It has a lot more mature themes to it. And its message is, again, it's about growing up. It's not about holding on to childish things or, you know, you know, immersing yourself deeper into childish things. You know, and the Muppet, the Muppet stuff was always about being zany and goofy and not really tackling those kinds of things. Whereas, um, whereas this movie has, you know, it has a, a, a more, it's a young adult. I'd say this is a young adult film. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a better way of phrasing it. Yeah. And it's very clearly aimed at teens and young adults and people who are starting to aim towards their, you know, adulthood. Um, it works really well. You know, Muppets, like I said, they're not quite a mop, they're not quite a puppet. But they, uh, they're, they're useful in a lot of different scenarios and situations. And yeah. I, I thought this was... Um, also, I just want to point out that the first time, like in the intro thing, you see a bunch of Mupp Goblin Muppets in her room as she is about to summon the Goblin King. The first time in this movie, you see a full-on Muppet, like on screen, uh, is Hoggle pissing in a lake. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're right. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> I also wanted to point out, because I forgot to mention it before, we were talking about the insanely good puppetry. Every puppet has such a wide variety of expressions. The range of expressions is huge. And just every time their expression changes to fit the way that they're talking and the mood of the, the scene, it always it always just threw me just how just how good it was. And that's that's me done. Yeah. Uh, Stove, what are your thoughts on a more young adult or actual adult uh, Muppet production? I think this kind of works as a young adult uh, Muppets movie, just kind of bridging the gap and saying it's okay to be a child, but also realize that maybe don't be a shitty child and wish your don't wish your baby sibling to go to <laughs> fucking Goblin Land. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying. I'm. I'm trying not to talk over the. Bird. Um, <laughs> yeah, their input is very valuable. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think that kind of thing can work. But see, the thing is, I think there is a difference between an adult Muppets movie and a mature Muppets movie. <laughs> you can. Yes. You can make a Muppets movie that maybe tackles some rougher things or is able to like bridge that gap, and then you have stuff like. Cranky Anchors or Avenue Q or the Happy Town Murders, where it's just, hey, it's Muppets, but they're saying fuck and they're this one has a willy, there you go. It it doesn't work because then it just becomes, well, what's the substance here? There's nothing except you're seeing Brian Henson make a puppet and also have it fuck for some reason. I think this works um better than pretty much anything that would have been considered adult Muppets movie like following that. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking of various things that happened in Happy Time Murders and I'm not happy about it. So it's more like unhappy time murders. I'm just remembering no. Silly String. I still uh... haven't seen it. So that means nothing to me, but I assume that it's bad. Yes, yes I will it, tell it you is, after thing, recording. It is the thing you might think it would be. Let's move on. Hey, Torpo, what do you think about adult Muppet movies? I don't. Good. I mean, the problem is the word adults thrown around too much, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, yeah, there's they, a difference between adult and mature. Yeah, it's a phrasing thing on mine. No, I'm just saying, in general, it's 
saying we wanted an adult version of X is a very stupid thing because it usually ends up full of pure out bullshit and incredibly crass and usually with a slur or two at a minimum. But uh I food fight. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's we, we don't need one. I, I fucking tackling mature themes, yeah, no, that's that's fine. Like actually talking about shit that needs to be that can be talked about, yeah, no, but like too often the term adult is thrown around and it just ends up being pure algo. Yeah. Actually, now what it makes me think of, uh, actually a thing to kind of compare it to, actually, especially when you think of adult versus mature, um, is a different, it's not Muppets, but it is a different kind of uh, practical, like, marionette, uh, which is Super Marionation, uh, like the Thunderbirds kind of stuff. Like Thunderbirds was a, it was a marionette show. It was a straight up puppet show, but it was trying to do a like sci-fi, like, like a straight up sci-fi classic version, uh, except for that 2004 movie, which kind of took that all out. Uh, and then comparing that to being a mature thing, uh, to say something like say Team America, for example, which is an adult version of that, America, which sucked. Fuck, yeah. It was almost more immature Actually, than the actual show. Y- you want to know a mature fucking puppet show that's great? Thunderbolt Fantasy? Thunderbolt Fantasy, motherfucker! See, y'all keep mentioning these things. No one's mentioning Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I- I've never seen I don't that. give a fuck about that one, honestly. It, <laughs> it's really... It's, I feel like it's Thunderbolt the Fantasy, first... though, is fucking bullshit puppets. After the first couple of times that you see it, it's just kind of... Yeah, I, I I watched all the. It's it's a surrealist adult Muppet puppet affair, and it's kind of it's kind of supposed to be more of that juxtaposition of puppets and just really not super heinous, but just out of out of the comfort zone things happening. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. That's true. Yeah, but I think I think I think uh, don't hug me. I'm scared is a good counter to say Avenue Q, which is supposed to be you know, immature, puerile, but for adults. And then you have Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is a little more cerebral and intended to kind of like, you know, flip the head on uh, a puppet show that teaches you morals and lessons. But what if the morals and lessons are not very good and everything just spins out of control? Yeah, I'm taking a look at screenshots from this on IMDb. I can already tell just exactly what this thing is going for. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because there's an overarching story that comes to a head in the final episode, but it's 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 kind of like Pets Cop, where it's it's a very vague story and it's left to the 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 viewer to decide what's happening. Look, let's never use our imagination. No, the imagination is bad. Except no, Figment. I miss Figment. Anybody remember Figment from Disney? Nope, I never. Look, I never had a Disney. Look, all I'm saying is Thunderbolt Fantasy, good shit. Wuxia puppets, it's fucking great. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Man cuts his own head off to send it on an eagle. Which is a bird of some sort. All birds are eagles. Everybody knows. To give news. It's great. So he's one of the young dudes? No. They carry the news, you know. Anyway, um, I think that probably, that's good for answering our questions. So <laughs> let's go ahead and, and actually rank this. So if you are not familiar with this, um, we have a 1 to 21 ranking scale. Uh, for which we normally rank these things. Uh, one being Absolute Mastercraft can't be improved. Well, it can be improved. I shouldn't phrase it like that, but basically, it's basically some of the best uh, out there. And 21 is not even ironically good. It's just bad. 
Like it's not even you can have fun with it bad with friends. No, it just sucks. Uh so, um Axe, uh what would you think about giving this in a one to twenty one scale? Um, so I have a tendency to put things into ranges because my opinions can be kind of malleable. Uh I want to put this one somewhere in the blues. I I don't think this is a Mastercraft film. Uh if it was just about the puppets, I would absolutely be throwing this right into like the, the top three. But this is definitely more in sort of the blue area because you do have Bowie and his creepiness. You do have uh, Connolly and her brattiness. And you do have the bog, which completely fucks up so much. Oh, so, Also, I do want to point out, I would say, Jareth and his creepiness. Well, yeah, Jer- yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned both the actors by, by yeah. name. So fine. Jareth is creepy and Sarah's annoying. Are you, right. like, okay. I'm I know sorry. what you mean, but something yes, just yes, there's something it, about it just Yes, like, yes, no. Dave, I, you, I, I, I I know what you're going for, and you're right. Yeah, no. Bowie Bowie himself was not creepy, rest in peace. <laughs> but the uh, character Jareth was. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the blues would be seven through nine. All right. Yeah. I think it's a good place for it. Uh Stove. Yeah, I I agree with that. There was a lot more good than like bad, and none of it. And even if it was bad, it was just more like eh, wasn't my jam. So yeah, I would I would stick around the blue. Okay, that's seven through nine. Uh, Torbo, y'all need to learn to pick some fucking numbers. Jesus, to pick a number. I'm I'll gonna pick seven. a number. <laughs> there, yeah, I'll I'll go seven. Say, yeah, seven. Seven. Seven's fine. Okay. All right. So. Yeah, it's a general consensus, seven through eight, seven through nine for Axe and Stove. Torpo is just straight up seven. Uh, I personally, I was kind of my range, like kind of at the beginning of this, were actually the greens, so uh, 10 through 12. But I, it's more the fact that it's, I don't know how I feel about this movie because it's not, like I mentioned, it's not a movie that I watch often, but it is something that I feel you need to watch at least once. It might not be something you like, but I feel that I am, it's weird for me to say this, I feel like I am better off having seen it once, at least. Because it's just this weird thing that you're never going to see in anything else. Uh, so I do feel that 7 might actually be a good uh, spot for this. Um, but let's compare this to what we have. Oops, Plus, otherwise uh, you're going to have to argue with three other people. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, just, a, just a comparison of what we have so far. Um, Things that we have, like, so this is going right now in our essence list. Um, so right now we do have a seven, and that is Tron. Um, so I could see putting it at the same level as Tron. Um, I do want to point out that what we have uh, below is we do, we, do we have an eight in either of them? Uh, no, we have two nines, uh, which are the live action Street Fighter and Area 88, which I could see, like, here's the thing. I would say if you were to watch, say, having not watched either of them, uh, that I would say, like, if you were saying, oh, here's, I, I want to watch something. Do I want to watch a Labyrinth or do I watch Area 88? I would probably actually say if you've never seen either of them, I would say a Labyrinth. Um, same with uh, the Street Fighter live action movie. There's been plenty of movies like the Street Fighter action or like live action. There is nothing like Labyrinth. So also, that Labyrinth is easier to get into, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Despite it being somewhat off-putting in certain spots, it is much easier to get. Also, I wouldn't necessarily put Labyrinth under Tron, to be yeah. honest, because yeah, we were very, we were 
fairly divided on Tron. And I feel yeah. like we're way more uh, together on this one. Yeah, because that's the thing. If like if I'm saying like Labyrinth or Tron, I would say Labyrinth. Agreed. Yeah. If anything, that is actually a potential putting this up to six. Um, which let let's look at what we have in six so far. Uh, so in I I know one of these is contentious, so I'll leave that one out to the side. So <laughs> two two once we have at six, we had the Mortal Kombat movie, and we have the Hunt for Red October. Um, I probably does feel like the Hunt for Red October was a better put together movie same with the mortal Kombat movie so well, maybe october was way too long and dragged a lot that is true still, i would still watch labyrinth over red october um that that is true um so i could see bumping that up to six then uh which i i would be fine with that yeah it's yep. fine to me yeah i'm cool with it um and yeah we don't have well here's the other thing we don't have anything we don't have anything in the fives uh, the closest thing we have is a f- we have one four right now. We don't need to fill numbers for the sake of filling numbers. Are we are we that gonna somehow true. talk us talk our ways up to a like two no, or actually, something? No, actually now we don't. We uh, don't no, no, wait. hold on. Keep going, Stow. Yeah, keep going, Stow. Keep going, Lolo. I want to see how far you bring this movie up. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's going. To, it's not going at four. That is for sure. I don't even think it's going at five. I do think six is probably good. Six is good, yes. Yeah, six is fine. That's, that's good. It's possible to too w- much. It's possible to want to watch something over something else and not put it in a tier above. It, yeah, because that is also true. Because Hunt for October, I feel, is a good put together movie. It is long. I'll give it that. But yeah, so yeah, let's just do six. So put it at five. Um, yep, and this is episode. I think this is twenty five. Yes, it is. Okay, so it's episode twenty five. Um, so, uh, will we call this a kids' movie? So, it's, I'm looking at the stuff you don't have that anything I have. for young adult. It seems more like just a f- family type movie than just directly for kids. I, think I have, I'd call it fantasy. It's fantasy, it's definitely yeah, fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Uh, fantasy. How about fantasy and the silly one? If Bowie is your fantasy. Uh, yeah, that sounds fun. Okay. Um, so I don't know if this have any i don't think that anything really counts as content because it's all anything that's in it is way too mild to give it a, like a note of yeah i mean the oh. worst you got was hoggle peeing i don't know the farting bog was pretty bad yeah but yeah that, I, that's I, not like a do i wait hold on do i have a um i do have one that is graphic well technically that doesn't count but graphic flatulence well graphic depiction of bodily functions yeah um, but i think they more like pooping do you have anything in the way of like yeah. body it's just horror like or fart anything noises, like that? But I wouldn't call it anything like what? Would you? I don't know if I'd call this body horror. Though. Or are you talking more like the hands? The hands, the eyes, shit like that. Like a, like a thing that is like this might be off-putting. Yes. Uh, there was particularly like the the limb swapping. I can understand. Uh, yeah, there's some body horror in this. And maybe you don't even like the puppet, the Muppets. Some people f- might find the Muppets scary. Who knows? Um, yeah, but then you're just kind of splitting hairs. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, actually, you know what? I do feel like I should uh, have a un like a let, let's just call this unnerving something, which I don't know why I'm adding this because it's going to change. <laughs> um, unnerving stuff. Uh, yeah. So very descriptive. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Congratulations, Labyrinth. You're the first, first, first winner of the content tag of W. Or weird. Or, 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 or. Um, 
Okay. Um, so do we want to call out things for uh music, charm, cinematography, uh storytelling, action, and uh artistry? Music and artistry. Artistry for sure. Artistry, yep. yeah, I thumbed down the music. The music numbers were terrible. Music was good. Fuck you. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. They weren't. They were, they were the okay. baby. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like them. But I'm in the middle here. Oh, let's split the difference. How do you feel? Uh, how about I put that? Uh, your mileage may vary, Tech. Yay! Congratulations. No one wins. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite kind of losing. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously the music can be kind of. I will put the your mileage may vary tag. Although personally, I would go on the thumbs upside. But anyway, yes. How would how would we uh, feel about charm? Yeah, I feel like it's charm. Charming. Yeah, I feel like charm should get it. As weird as it is. What about gameplay? How do you feel about the gameplay? Uh, there is no gameplay tag. On this. <laughs> uh, there is cinematography and uh, artistry. Cinematography also might get a thumbs up. Yeah, Just that non-Euclidean room. Yeah. Because we didn't talk about. The, the practical effects they did that where he was walking underneath the platform and then slides up over onto it to stand up straight. Like, the cinematography for that entire sequence alone deserves a thumb up. And I also enjoy, like, the intro segment when they were trying to prove that nothing is as it seems when she moves between the walls, which otherwise looked perfectly like walls. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, so I'll give a thumbs up to that. Also the hand scene. Yeah. The hand scene's also really good. As creepy as it is. Um... So yeah, um, is there anything we want to call out in yay or nay? Eggplant. Eggplant. No, let's 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 not. Never mind. Oh right, Bowie's bulge. Uh, yay, yay, eggplant, <laughs> and also nay, eggplant. It's a double-edged sword, uh, Bowie's bulge. I'm pretty sure it's not edged. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's a double. It's a double-blunted sword. Uh, I I have nothing to actually legitimately put in yay or nay. Yeah, because it's it's a it's an hour and forty minutes, so it's a very nice length. So yeah, length <laughs> length. In. God damn it! Perfectly <laughs> average length. That's not average. Oh, I say, the moment See, that, I that know, word I know came out of my first, mouth. I know my first name. Lolo's knows him by length. <laughs> uh, How do we end this fucking podcast? Uh, let's figure out now. Okay. Dick jokes. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's it for Labyrinth. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, before we leave, uh, Axe, is there anything you want to plug? You can find me on twitch.tv slash Axemortal. Okay. Uh, stove. I'm at twitch.tv slash portable stove. Not playing any Labyrinth related games. <laughs> oh, hey, I wanted to bring up as well. I did take a quick look because I wasn't there for the uh, Labyrinth Famicom game. I don't know how you played that longer than I watched it. It was like I watched like four minutes of it and just yeah, we played it for about ten. Like we did not play it for long. It is not a very interesting. Yeah. So the movie much much better than the game. I will not be playing the game. Twitch.tv slash portable stove. <laughs> All right. Uh, Torpo. Uh, fucking Twitch.tv slash Torpotypist and at Torpotypist on Twitter. And I would like to plug up this entire fucking disgusting swarm. Yes. All right. So uh, after this, uh, now that we're done with Labyrinth, uh, we will be returning to East because we thought I thought that this that East book one was going to require two episodes. It did not. So we are instead going to move on to uh, East two 
Oz OVA, which is the subtitle Castle Heavens, which is a very different thing than the East One OVA. So uh, be sure to tune or tune into that one. So thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media Delta. If you would like to view the entire list of rankings for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life to see the residence and essence list that Media Delta covers, as well as the other lists that are covered by our sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody. If you'd like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash puzzle. Or you can view any of the episodes anytime at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like the help with hosting costs, you can go to patreon.ldp.life and help out with a $2 or $5 pledge. If you would like to discuss this episode in any other episode of our community, you can join our Discord server at discord.ldp.life. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow it at HazeltownStory, or you can follow me, your host, at LolaDePuzzlo. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for a round for the next episode.